This is Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Lena. I'm Matt Miller. I'm Matt Henry. And I'm Mark. Okay, when it comes to spirit filling, and this is key, what's really important is to understand that there's actually two different original or Greek words uh, used to speak of the spirit's filling. Um, And one of them is one of my most favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's an interesting word. Uh, So there there are two words though in the Greek, and that's important to understand. It gets muddy in English, which Mm. I think is why there's so much confusion that comes about as you're just sort of reading through your your English New Testament. Yeah. Um, But there's clear two clear different Greek words, and which means they have different ministries of the Spirit attached to them. Um, And so we'll often translate these terms as full or filled. You know, a person's full of the Holy Spirit or a person was filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we'll, we'll confuse that to think that's talking about indwelling or, or baptism. Being baptized, yeah. right. Yeah. And these are two different, well, three different ministries. And so full or filled are used to translate these two different kinds of spirit filling. Okay. So we got to make a distinction here as well. Um, and so this can get a bit technical, but it's important to get technical because and, and we're going to try to make it though it's going to be technical we're, hopefully it will make it accessible because it's not hard it's just it requires you to think and slow down for a second and let the text say what it says and also what these words mean because yeah. they do mean something Correct. and so it's not like we're inventing this because we're bored Right. I mean, these are actually what these words mean, but you don't see it in the English. Right. And and you got everybody and their friend talking about this or that, and they just, they just keep confusing these terms, and they can't. Yeah. All right. Well, since this is your favorite word, I love this word. I don't know why. <laughs> why don't just, you take this first? One? <laughs> it's a fun. It's a fun word to say yes. for me. I, I I'm sure it's got something to do with the fact I'm immature. But pimplay me. How can you pimple not me. like that? Pimplay me. Pimplay me. I like it. Pimplay me. There you go. Anyhow, you're pronouncing your iota wrong, but I don't P-K. care. It's it's. I don't care. We already got into this. Got Remember, we these were these are the sort of things that matter, though. Yeah. No, they're not. You got the accent. It's yeah, Lena. How do you say? It? You know, Greek. Say it. Pimplemi. There you go. See. Anyway, pimplemi. Let's go. Way more fun to do the long. <laughs> oh my goodness! Sorry. All right. Well. So what does that mean? What I don't that? know, Lena. Why don't you tell us? <laughs> I can't pronounce it. <laughs> it's a dead language, but hey, <laughs> hey, apparently you guys have gone back in time anyhow. Right. So, pimply me, my way of pronouncing it. Okay. Um, this speaks of actually, though, a special empowerment. So, when you hear that, you think of something that is very unique. Um, mm-hmm. It's very, very similar. In fact, likely it's the same idea of what you saw in the Old Testament when the Spirit would come upon a person or be anointing a person. Um, unique task. Yeah, very, very unique, and it empowers them. So uh, whenever you see this term used, there's a great work of God that that occurs. And what's most fascinating about it is, and you were the one that were point, was pointing this out today, how it's uh, associated with a word ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody is mm-hmm. speaking something 
In other words, um, it's not speaking of miracles. And that, again, that's what we have. We have people all wanting to have these power encounters and these explosive events, but and and they would confuse that with this. But it's not. It's it's a great work of God, but it's associated with when a person the, speaks. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, which interesting though is that, you know even so I'll point to it because it's more of a what I guess we would call a quote a miraculous thing. But like in Acts chapter two, um, they're they're filled with the Spirit there and they speak in tongues. But again, that's a word ministry. Um, because what they do, they start speaking of the great things of God. Right. And so they're speaking of these these marvelous works that God has done and is doing. And so again, that's a word ministry. But And yet it gets missed. Yeah. Because everyone's thinking this is what we're doing in our church today when we're doing our ecstatic language or whatever it is they want to call it. And it's like you're missing the whole point of mm-hmm. what's going on in that text. Um, so here's the way it gets used. Uh, Luke uses it uh, in chapter 1 three different times. He In chapter 1, verse 15, it's used of a promise related to the first prophet in 400 years that, that uh, John the Baptist would be filled with the Spirit. And it's not talking about indwelt. It's not talking about... Um, any of that, it's talking about the special empowerment to be finally the prophet again, again, word-based. Yeah, speaking. Uh, and then it, uh, the Spirit uh, fills Elizabeth in chapter 141, so she immediately begins to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, in verse 67, Zacharias does the same thing. The Spirit comes upon him, and Zacharias is compelled to speak. And then you, you already made mention of it, but um, in Acts 2-4, and in chapter four, verse eight, again, the spirit comes upon and bam, you, you, words are spoken, convicting words, powerful words, converting words. Yeah. Um, and so that's what, when you're seeing it happen like that in the scripture, it uses this, this term, um, all of working in a unique manner through a person. Uh, they're special. Um, the thing you want to understand with that then is that the Bible never treats us as normative never. ever. Yeah. Um, and so I would say to anyone listening who would say, well, I don't know if I agree. Well, that's fine, but you got to find the Bible verse. And, don't, <laughs> and, and I mean, you, you just can't come up with this on your own. The text never treats us in a normative manner. Um, I mean, I just gave you most of the passages Right there. I mean, yeah. it's just a handful. Can you flesh it out a little bit? What do you mean by normative? That that people are normal under this special anointing yeah. as just a day to day living, so, living in a power filled, spirit filled reality. So it's like treating uh, like me, today's church like it's the Church of Acts. Yeah, almost. I'll, well, okay. I'll, no, no? I, it, it's yeah. N- well, yeah. Well, okay. Th- this normal ongoing work of the Spirit. So, so for instance, uh, Francis Chan. And you know his his deal with sort of his writings are he's very disturbed that we're not seeing the same things happen in the church today yeah. that happened at Pentecost. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, in fact, I did a sermon on that. You did, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. A very good sermon. Um, yeah. I was going to use a more easier, low hanging fruit. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I was just going to use Bill Johnson. 
uh, from Redding, right? Uh, he, he, he makes this argument that we were supposed to be living in kingdom reality, and it's all attributed to this power of the Spirit and the manifestations of the Spirit. You see this in the Word of Faith movement. You see this in the whole charismatic. You see this in the new apostolic reformation movement. And it's it borderline blasphemous because it's this idea that if you're really walking in victory, then this should be normal for you. You should be walking around seeing miracles in your life. And it, it's not true. Uh, first of all, it has nothing to do with miracles. It has to do with word-based ministry. Right. And two, it never is treated ever as yeah. normative yeah. Um, or, or a day-to-day. Right. Um, so you're and, not constantly seeking. No. I mean, you have Elizabeth for a split moment. Right to say a few words, and then she just disappears into nothing. Same thing with Zacharias. John the Baptist, the only thing he got for having the Spirit fill him was his head cut off. Mm. You know, uh, it, and, and you see it in today, and it's how to be victorious over your this and over that, and it's just, it's not. It's a terrible, terrible um, idea. And so, again, it, it, it's... We talked about it, but we'll talk real briefly again. In the Old Testament, it would be the same thing as where the Scripture talks about the Spirit came upon. Uh, so like in Numbers 24.2, we were talking about Balaam, and it said that the Spirit of God came upon him, even though he was not a believer, yeah. nor did he follow God. It was not indicative of being a believer. So I would even, no, nah, I, I won't go there. I, I wanted to just rip on those movements again because I think they're so destructive. But if you're, if I'll say this, if you're looking at somebody whose whole life is around the life of a miraculous quote unquote ministry, and you're saying that that's a man of God or a woman of God, you're already messed up because that is not a, that is no indication of God's blessing or the fact that they are in Christ. None of that has anything to do with that. So, um, it's 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 a scary thing, but uh, Samson is another guy, right? He, messed up guy, and yet the spirit of the Lord, it says in Judges fourteen six, that came mightily, or he came mightily upon him, and then he knocks down a building, mm-hmm. yeah, and dies. So and dies, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the, um, what we're saying is is functionally this Old Testament coming upon, and this New Testament filling in the Pimplemi sense are kind of the same. It's this. Did you pronounce that right? Of course. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah, it's, 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 oh, it's, it's, oh, you, you, you approved of that. <laughs> no, I'm the checker here. Yeah, yeah I got you guys okay. back. All right. Um, it's, fool, it's, it's, I'm a million fools yourselves. <laughs> it's his, yeah, it's his unique work of, of the spirit where he comes upon to do this unique ministry. The distinction, though, between the Old Testament and the New Testament is in the New Testament when the spirit comes upon a person, or we'll use the language of Phil, Pimplemi. Um, it's always doing something though with reference to Jesus Christ. So for instance, John the Baptist, when he's filled with the spirit, he's filled with the spirit and he leaps at the presence of his Messiah, right? Um, Elizabeth, Zechariah, they're all praising God in a miraculous sense for this, this new coming presence now of, of the Messiah, he's there. And so that's the distinction between that Old Testament coming upon and the New Testament filling in the pimplemi sense is it has something to do with Christ which will be the overwhelming role of the ministry of the spirit in the new Testament. So um, again, just it, it's, it's a, it's for a moment in time. It's not a lifetime thing. It depends on what the purpose is. Um, you by, know, you, by the way, real quick. Yeah. With the John the Baptist one, 
um, I don't know if you knew this, but in Lutheran theology, it's one of the proof texts for the fact that babies believe. Mm, sure. Sure. And they say, see the spirit, and because they confuse that with being regenerated. Right. right. You know, it's a dangerous thing to develop a full doctrine off of one verse. Always. And yeah. <laughs> and yet you can do it, I guess. But the spirit of God seems to be the one that people mess up the most. Yeah. It's weird. Um, yeah, and so we'll say we'll we'll also say though with this, what's interesting about the filling of the spirit, or when a person's full of the spirit in the pimplemi sense, is that it's something which is completely under the sovereign control of God. Um, he determines, in other words, if and when this occurs. He doesn't do it in reaction to anything, but he grants it based on his own will and his own pleasure, not in reaction to anything that's going on or because a person wants it, desires it, prays for it. This is a, a unique sovereign work of, of God when his spirit comes upon or fills a person. And yet, isn't it weird how many churches he seems to come upon people? When they pray for it. Well, and during the church service. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's really convenient when the cameras are on. Yeah. And you need the spirit to come upon you so you can do your great things. That happens to be when he comes upon you. It's not late at night when nobody can see you and... and Mm-hmm. clap. It's just, I'm being snarky, of course, but sure. he, he really does cooperate, it seems, with a lot of people's church schedules and flow services. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're inviting him in. Yeah. So. Yeah. Fall upon us. Yeah. We got a whole song about it. Yeah. yeah. Anyhow. With, with fire. Uh, I, at the same time, you are, you are saying something that my joking shouldn't probably diminish. Um, we can't make this happen. We have no authority over this. We're not supposed to be seeking this. It's all up to God. God, mm-hmm. God is going to work. And and if you look at all of the uses in the Old and New Testament, it just happens. At no point are anybody saying, "I, I really just need the Spirit to fall upon me so I can." It just it happens, mm-hmm. and it's God's will. It seems like this kind of a doctrine could never be found in the same camp as any sort of reformed. Calvinism at all. If you understand God's sovereignty, yet you believe you can still ask and invite and well, usher may, in. You may think that, but I mean, see Jim Mahaney with sovereign grace. Oh being, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It happens all the time. But again, it gets back into the idea that we don't have sound cohesive theology. We really, I keep thinking of a term that is derisively used of Paul in Athens. They call him a seed picker. Mm -hmm. Um, They're accusing him of taking little bits of Mm -hmm. philosophy from different movements and trying to create his own. But that's really what our theology today has is we're all over the place. And and so we pick up up that. So Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be that way. And yet somehow... It is. Yeah. So that's my favorite word. <laughs> yeah, pimply me. Um, yeah, the, the second word then, when it when it translated often as filling or full, would be the Greek term play race. Um, and this one is is unique. Say it's that again. Play race. Do you approve? 
Mike. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Felt like right. you had what about the accent. Mark? I thought your accent was a little off the first time. It did kind of sound like play you, race. Yeah, yeah. See, yeah, you agree that was play race. And I'm like, no, it's play <laughs> this race. This is so bad. So, so then let me ask Ross. you, why should the accent be over here? With oh, dude, day? that was 25 <laughs> years ago. I don't have to remember my rules of accent. I'll go technical. All right. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Settle with it. That's a good, you did a good job, Matt. Okay. <laughs> Mic drop. Okay, so uh, play race. Uh, this this one speaks of being under the control of the spirit. Okay, so this is unique again, and this is also distinct from him play me. This is where you're under the control of the spirit, or you could say it this way: it's where you're walking as a Christian in accordance to the revealed will of God, and that's a, an important qualification. Okay, it's you're walking in accordance to the revealed spirit-inspired word. In other words, the Bible. Correct. Yeah. Not not. Fred, who's inspired and right. giving you a word from the Lord. Yeah. It's just the Bible. The yeah. Bible. Yeah. It, when yeah. And we'll talk about why in a bit. Um, but examples of this, at least in the book of Acts, in, in chapter six, in verse three, it says, therefore, brethren, select from among you. Hang on, hang on. As you read this, I want people to think what comes to their mind normally, though when they hear okay. what we're going to say, because I think for some of them, at least they're going to be hearing, these are people who are um, having a unique empowerment of the spirit or something else. And it's not talking about that, but. Yeah. Um, so in Acts 6, 3, and then also in verse 5, it says, therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we, we may put in charge of this task. Um and then in 6.5, it says, This statement then found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, some other word, and a whole bunch Prochorus. of other. <laughs> it's Prochorus. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. Okay, so um, here you have the, this term being used. Um, th these are men full of the Spirit and um, faith and wisdom and some of these other things. But again, they're not full of anything ecstatic. They're not full of something miraculous. They're not having some kind of a spirit. They're just men who are said to be full of the spirit. So you can obviously recognize something in them. You see this also in Acts 15, verse 32. And, there, and there's other verses like this. Um, but you, you see it in the book of Acts where there's just these people who are walking in accordance to the faith. Um, they're just men of, of maturity, in other words. Um, but a definitive passage on this and how this term actually works itself out is in Ephesians chapter five and verse 18 and following. Um, here it's the only thing that actually Christians are commanded to do with regard to the spirit. It's the only passage in all of scripture, you get one. And it's in Ephesians five eighteen and following. And, and yet, how many sermons are talking about? How many people are telling you, you need to be filled with spirit, you need to do this, you need to seek spirit, blah, blah, blah. And they go on, on. one verse, one verse. Yeah, in the whole Bible. Right, um, and it's and it's this verb play race, but in the in the verbal form, the term play race in the verbal form, um, it's the term play rao. If there's any Greek listeners, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so yeah, I'm going to get technical here. Um, when you parse this verb, it's in, it's a present passive imperative. Okay, but you need to parse it. Yeah, which means breaking it down to yeah. its constituent parts. Parts. Yeah. So, but but so don't turn off this thing. Just let him explain why it's worth hearing. So yeah, parse so, it again. Again, it's a, it's a present passive imperative, three parts. Okay, um, so it's in the present tense, 
which is talking about this, this ongoing act. It's a continual act. Um, in other words, you're to always be filled by the spirit and ongoing. Um, it's a passive, meaning it's something being done to you. So it's not something that you're to do or to do to something else. It's something that happens to you. So you're to be in the continuous state of letting something happen to you. <laughs> yeah. That alone is just kind Bizarre. of crazy. Yeah. yeah. And it's a command. So I say that because I've also heard people say, you should pray that God would fill you with his spirit or something like that. Or sometimes you just need to wait because God wants you to be filled with his spirit, but not now because he's trying to teach you something maybe later, which makes no sense because this is a command, which means you're to always be in the active state of obedience to this command. So in other words, you should be obedient to the command to be in the continual state of always perpetually having the spirit fill you, <laughs> which will okay. explain what that means here in a but second. But again, I got to be snarky. In other words, if anyone's listening and they've been getting told that using this passage that they need to be in some they in some way they need to get this or get more of it or something. Fill yourself up. Then yeah. they're messed. They're, whoever is teaching them doesn't know what he's talking about mm -hmm. or she, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Yeah. And they need to back off. And, and, and again, this, we're not getting in, we're not doing anything deep here. We're literally just saying, here's how a word works. Yeah. Yeah, so Paul here is saying, be being kept filled by the Spirit continuously. This is a perpetual command that you can also disobey. So if you're not being filled by the Spirit, you're in disobedience. Um, so this passage in Ephesians 5.18, he makes an important contrast. He says, and do not get drunk with wine. Why? For that is dissipation. But be being kept filled by the spirit, if I'm going to translate it in accordance to how it's parsed. So he makes a contrast here with wine and the spirit. So just like wine can have its effects in your body in a passive sense, so also the spirit can have its effects in your body in a passive sense. And that's the point. Well, he also, one other thing, because I know what, where you're heading with this. In verse 18, don't get drunk with wine. Why? Because it it's results in dissipation or debauchery, yeah. riotous living. All right. So it, it he he immediately follows it with the results mm -hmm. of what it looks like when yep. you're drunk, right? Correct. Then he says, but be being filled with the the spirit, and then he does the same thing. Mm -hmm. It just it, like? it goes on for a long time. Yeah, all the way through <laughs> chapter six. Okay, yeah. so then he gives the effects, and the effects have everything to do with submission. We're subjecting, and that's the key word that's used over and over again. Um, so he says, be filled with the spirit. And the first thing that comes out though, is you're speaking to one another in Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to God, always giving thanks. So singing's a result of being filled by the spirit. Giving thanks is a result of being filled by the spirit. So if you're not a person who's just given to thanks, in, in, the, name of, yeah. in the name of Christ, in a particular moment, that is a mark that in that moment, you are not be letting the spirit Fill you. you. Yeah. Um, and then he says, being subject to one another, how? In the fear of Christ. Mm -hmm. So here's where the, the subjecting aspect comes from. What's a mark of being filled by the spirit? That you're subjecting yourself to one another, meaning the context of the church. Um, then he says, wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Um, in verse 25. 25, husbands, love your wives. In um, other words, the way a husband submits himself or subjects himself to his wife is by a willful choice of loving her. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, Ephesians 6 and verse 1, children, obey your parents. How? In the Lord, for this is right. And then he says in verse 4, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. That's a mark of the Spirit. <laughs> You're not a father given to provocation of your children. Verse 5, slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. How? With fear and trembling and sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Um, and then 9. And then 9, yeah. Masters, do the same things with them giving up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven. And so you have all these subjecting realities where you're submitting yourself to something. Um, and then he does this constant qualification all throughout that passage as to the Lord or unto the Lord or in the name of the Lord. And so that's... And that's what... So if a person says, well, I don't know, I don't feel like I'm filled with the Spirit. And yet they are given the thankfulness to the Lord. Mm -hmm. They're a faithful spouse. Mm -hmm. They're, the, you know, they're doing these things that, that, that actually is evidence that in fact they are yeah. and you don't, being filled, even though that's not what they're being told by the pulpits. Yeah. Now to give one more technical thing, these are all for the most part, participles, right. meaning just ING words, you know, kicking, throwing. So um, what's important to understand is you don't do these things to get filled with the spirit. No. Um, these are all the result of being filled by the spirit. So you don't sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs mm. to get the Spirit. And yet, again, <laughs> here's my snark. How many church services, the music is all designed to, to let the Spirit come. And, yep. Yeah. And it's designed to bring this emotional response and Rip them and, up. and then people walk away, wow, you could just see the Spirit. And it's like, I you have no presence. idea yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. Rather, the singing is the result. It's the overflow. It's the product of being filled yep. by the Spirit. Um, so... That's really important. Um, now, what we'll also say is there's a very tight connection here with Colossians 3.16. And I say, I go to Colossians because if you didn't know, Colossians and Ephesians are sister books. They're very similar in their structure and their content, their style of writing. And Paul has written both. There's actually debate that one was written off of the other. Now, whether that's true or not doesn't really matter. But the point is, is they're, they're very clearly sister books in, in what many you, ways. What do you think? Mm. I think Colossians was written first and Ephesians Expanded was written. upon? Yeah. Because Ephesians was clearly a, a encyclical. Yeah, it wasn't actually around. written to Ephesus, Ephesus yeah. only, but yeah. to all of them. So, but that's yeah. mine. I'm probably right. <laughs> <laughs> you always are in your own mind. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. true. Yeah. So, um, so the, the sister passage to Ephesians 5 is Colossians chapter 3. And in verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another, how with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So there we have the cl very clear parallel between what we just read in 5, 18, and 19. And then he says, he goes around immediately, wives. Well, actually, he also then says, giving thanks in verse 17, which is what? Yeah. And then. Yeah. So wives, be subject to your husbands, how as fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things. Why? For this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters. Uh, not with external service or pleasing men, but with a sincerity of heart, 
fearing the Lord. And so there's this clear parallel and you have the same product here yeah. in Colossians as you do in Ephesians. And if you have the same product, you have the same source or. Yeah, I wasn't sure what you were wanting. <laughs> yeah, same, yes. the same uh, compelling source <laughs> that's producing these things. And so, um, yeah, the, the, so we'll say there's a tight connection between the spirit and his word. Um, and it, not just tight, inseparable. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, how do you, how do you walk by the spirit while obey his word? He he's the one that inspired it. He gave it. So be, yeah. live a life that's in accordance to the word in submission to the word. And guess what? You're in submission to the spirit. You're walking with the spirit or yeah. by the spirit. One and the same. It, you, you can't separate them. So yeah. whenever a person that's again, my snark, but I think back on some of these revivals, you know, the Brownsville revival and some of these others, and these guys are supposedly great men of God and they're the, the anointing of spirits upon them. And then you find out the whole time they're supposedly anointed, they're in adulterous, incestuous, homosexual relationships. They're involved in drug abuse and all kinds of other excesses. And yet somehow they're anointed. It's like, no, there's no way because they're not in obedience to the word of God. Honestly, a spirit-filled man or woman is just simply a, a faithful Christian. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. So, so simple. So if you got the same effect, you got the same cause. I'll say yeah. it that way. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah cause. It's cause. So, so in, a, in Colossians, it's, it's the word. Let the word of Christ dwell among you richly. In Ephesians, it's the spirit. So kind of one and the same here. Um. So with all that, what would you say are some good things, some good takeaways, some good final comments on this topic? Well, pastorally, the first thing I would want to tell a person is if if they are a believer, they need to rejoice because um, the Spirit of God is dwelling within them fully. Um, and, and He will never leave them. Mm-hmm. And, and He will guide them and comfort them and care for them. Um, and so understand that you have at the most intimate level, the presence of the Holy God uh, within you um, via his spirit. So that that's just a, an incredible um, comfort to people who I find, too, I, I meet too many Christians who spend most of their life beating themselves up. And it's like, relax. I mean, um, he has given you the fullness of himself already. And yet, um, they're they're trying to find something else, something more, and they don't realize that they have everything. Um, that Peter wasn't joking when he said that yeah. he has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness. We're, we're like, yeah, but but mm-hmm. he has. He's given it to us. Um, the only thing also that should stand out to the listener is that we the only thing we've been commanded to do in light of these three ministries ministries of the Spirit. Um, baptism, the indwelling, and the filling is to be filled by the Spirit. That's it. Mm-hmm. And all that is, it, it, I don't want to say all, but he merely is speaking there of walking in accordance to his revealed word. Yeah. It's, it's again, it's not a deep, arcane, supernatural kind of experience where only the anointed few get it, and then the rest of you exhaust yourselves trying to pursue something or you know, create some emotional ecstatic moment where you're like, finally, I experienced it. That's, yeah. that's not what he gave us. Yeah. And it, let me just say this, I forgot to say it, but I did this when I talked, or I said this when I did my sermon on this one is the idea of play Rao is 
is it's a it's an energy it's what carries you or moves you along and so the yeah. classic illustration of that is like when a wind fills the the sails of a ship mm-hmm. right it, it it comes in and it blows those things out and that's what then carries this this boat or this ship along the water in the same way that's what the spirit does to the believer but the thing that he's filling them with is not himself um because it says but be filled by the spirit is the correct translation of that and so what he's filling you with is the word of god yeah so the word is what carries you, motivates you, energizes you, moves you along. And and this is what, what makes so much of the teaching on the spirit so vile because it, it robs it from the word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, there's very little, I've listened to far too many sermons um, by people who spend their whole time supposedly preaching, but what they're really doing is sharing stories and, and working, uh, tell, talking about the word, but never really showing the person the word of God and dealing with the word of God. We need to be people of the word because that's what the spirit uses and he'll always bless it. So I would argue that it ends up making these people tools of Satan in the sense of they're robbing the believer of the very power mm-hmm. that that God has granted them, which is the word of God. Yeah, yeah. Orient your, orienting your life around that spirit inspired word. So yeah. simple, yeah. So simple. Um, it's, it's not a very mystical. Scary thing. It is, and it's frustrating as a pastor because you'll you'll get people coming into the church. Uh, I'm talking about ours, and they're coming out of that background, and they're just you can see them. You can see them when during the singing, they're they're into it. They're they're vibrant. They're excited, and then they'll settle in, and you can see that their mind is already beginning to wander after 10, 15 minutes because there's we're just. Expounding, the sermon, yeah, yeah, we're expounding the word, and they're not used to training their mind to hear the word and to look down. Many times, they don't have their Bible open because they don't have to. They, they've been in churches where the Bible is not actually the tool with which they're now studying with the yeah. pastor as he takes them through it. Um, a, a good sermon, you should be able to look down and see his argument yeah. that he's making his point right there in the text. You should say, "Yeah, it's right there. I see." how he's doing that and why he's doing it, but yeah. you don't have it. And so it's, it's we've created the spirit to be some mystical genie. In fact, yeah. isn't that uh, Bill Johnson's wife that called him a, a genie with who wears blue jeans? And, and everyone was laughing as she's saying that. I'm just like, you, you can't say that. Uh, but the following they have is massive. Yeah. Um, it's, not, it's also not a sexy thing where you, you flip a switch and magic happens. Yeah. It's that faithful. Yes. And, and let me say this too, is there's also, and we have this, we have this in our own church, people who have come, who have been part of a charismatic or Pentecostal church for years. I'm um, talking several decades and they've grown weary uh, because- yeah. yeah, I know what you're going to say. Yeah. The yeah. sexiness of that, the attractiveness of that, the excitement of that has long worn off and they've grown weary of not having grown at all. And they come into our church, they hear the word of God preached in a very simple way. I mean, we're not doing anything crazy. We're just laying out the text and explaining what's there. And their soul is just lifted. Yeah. Um, and they've ex- described it to me as now their, spirit, their, their worship's being filled out because now they can sing these songs and they see a word and like, Earth. boy, now I know what that word means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And their thankfulness to God like we see in Ephesians and Colossians is just so enriched and full and deep and wide. And well, what's fun to watch, because I'm thinking of a, a few right there, 
is that their expressions of worship haven't changed. Their no. still heart arms are as Hands high as the they can. Yeah, um, and that they're almost bouncing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but there's meaning now behind it. Yeah. It's not merely an experience. It's it's, just, yeah. it's being fleshed out and filled. Yep, and I'll have them. You know, the same with you is they'll come up to me after a sermon and just profusely thank me because for 25 years they feel like they've wasted their life mm. in a church. Well, they've never just been taught the word of their God. And so they've never grown. They feel like they've not actually known him fully because he hasn't been fully preached. And now that he is, they're just, they're thankful. They're yeah. like, I know my God, I know my salvation. I know what this means. I know the richness of this. And so what happens to them is Ephesians five. <laughs> they are giving thanks to God like they've never done before. And so bottom line, you know, we've already been given everything we need. We have the spirit of God if we're in Christ. Um, our, the real reality is, are we simply submitting our lives and our desires to him? That's it. You and have to, new desires. Yeah. yeah. Now, now conform, bring them in conformity to his will, which is revealed in the word, and you'll be fine. And, and don't worry about what you're feeling or what somebody's telling you you should experience. You, you're doing fine. Yeah. And that hopefully that will encourage maybe somebody right now that's just wore out yeah. because they've been chasing the shadow, but nobody told them it's a shadow. Yeah. Enough said. Yeah.